Hi, this is Dave Coriel, president of Delcor, and welcome to this episode of Reboot IT. I was fortunate once again today to have a spectacular guest. It's Rob Wanger, who's the executive chairman of Higher Logic, and we're going to talk about community platforms, their role in the association community, and their role in a crisis like the current pandemic. It's Reboot IT, the association and nonprofit technology podcast, brought to you by Delcor. And now your host, Delcor President, and a guy with knife skills so good he's only missing part of one fingernail, Dave Coriel. So Rob, I've known you how long? Uh, it's been a while, uh, 10, 12 years, something like that. I feel like I start all these with, I've known this person forever. I'm gotta get, I'm gotta, I gotta get some new people. It's 12 years forever, it's a long time. It is a long time in the tech industry. Because when I met you, you were Active Matter, right? Or was it even before? Oh, well, that would have been a longer ago then. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I visited your offices in probably, what, 2003 or four. Yeah, so, so yeah, made a, a, I made an impression, I can see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember Loretta. You remember Loretta. All right, good. <laughs> Moving along then. This is my <laughs> podcast. So... Uh, <laughs> So I met you back then, and then um, that was Active Matter days, and and now I've known you a long time since um, Higher Logic began. So give give everyone a, a quick Higher Logic download. What 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 is Higher Logic for the four people who don't know? Yeah. So the main the main gist of it is a place for in association world at least members to communicate. Right. So when we first thought of the idea, it was sort of a hey, let's make a LinkedIn or Facebook type of thing where uh, members can get together and and share ideas share documents talk about the industry that sort of thing so that's where it started and that's still the main purpose you know it really is about uh sharing information between the members of an association which means an industry generally so most of our clients well more than half of our clients are our professional associations and so they would be you know doctors lawyers accountants architects etc and for those professionals to share with one another, we feel like makes the whole industry better. That was the idea of it. And it's grown since, you know, online communities is still the core of what we do, but we uh, have done some acquisitions. Um, we've added a lot of different uh, features and products for let's say chapters or volunteers or uh, the marketing automation platforms that we purchased, uh, that kind of stuff. So it's grown quite a bit, but still the vision is about connecting to the members. So we sort of think of ourselves like in between the association as the members, the technology that kind of enables all that. All right, cool. And it's grown both in terms of size and, and functionality that it offers, right? The benefits, Correct. the features. Exactly, exactly. All right, cool. Yep. And and the industry has grown. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think when you first came into this, like you said, you were saying something like Facebook for yep. this particular type of community. And now there are multiple players in this in this part of the industry. There's not so many in the association world. I mean, there are, but you know, we sort of dominate it there. But we also do some work outside the association world in, in what we call software users groups or really member-based organizations right. outside of associations. So they still have to be member-based to make it make some sense. Okay. Uh, but that could be customers or whatever. Uh, and in, in there, yeah, there's definitely a lot more. It's, it's, it's grown uh, as a thing more outside than inside. So since it's grown, what, what, what is the place of, of communities in the association? You, you've, you made the statement that it's, you know, connection between the association and the members and members to members. What do you feel like the, the, the place is, how that's grown in the association community, the place of community platforms? 
Yeah, I mean, it's grown in its importance to to the members. Um, so when we first started, there was really nothing in the association world like this. And so we, I, I won't say we, we, we invented the concept in this space, but it, it was pretty rare. Um, it was pretty basic. And so since then, we find that, you know, most of our clients who do a membership survey, what are the top three benefits of membership? The community typically ranks in the top three. And the reason is it gives them a place to talk to each other. 24-7. I mean, prior to the online communities really being introduced, the, the, the talking to each other was at conferences, right? Events. Right, right. In person. Um, emails, phone calls, whatever, conference calls. So it's really given them a you know 24-7 access. <clears throat> Excuse me. It also gives them access around the world, right? So as more large associations have more international members and time zones and travel and things like that are an issue. Um, this gives them a way to communicate with each other and to share stuff. So, you know, early days, we saw a lot of U.S.-based, hey, here's how we do it, and the other world kind of, you know, taking that on. Of course, today, with more globalization, it's it's much more even, right? The the, the rest of the world contributes as much as the, the U.S. does. So it's a, it's an it's a international sharing in those cases. So it depends on the organization, obviously. Some of our clients are just U.S.-based or even state-based, but many are also international-based, so... So where, where do you think it's headed? So it's grown, like you said, there's functionality that's been added, features that have been added. What's, what's next for community platforms in the association nonprofit space, do you think? Uh, I think it's just more of it, right? So, you know, as, as big as we are, we still have a long way to go in terms of how many associations use our, use our software. It's getting more people online in this sort of forum. You know, that's helped, by the way, a lot by the Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, today it's Snapchat and Instagram and all those sorts of things. So sort of the the, uh, the fact that the, the real world, the consumer world is now really community based uh, with those sort of online tools, that's made it so more members kind of expect to be able to communicate that way with more people, right? So rather than having, you know, everyone in my industry as Instagram followers or whatever, you have this place where you can talk about this specific thing. And so you know everyone, let's say you're a CPA society, you know everyone in there is a CPA, they've been vetted through the membership, you're talking to people who understand what you're saying and who you know, sort of have the same background and, and, and experience and so forth. But the fact that you've got it you know, just growing in the world makes it much more obvious a choice in the business world. And so it's, just, it's growing in the business world. So in that case, taking that, it doesn't seem like the answer is adding something like Instagram, right? You're not, you're not looking to add functionality. Well, that's... yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Things like, uh, sharing pictures has become, you know, in the Instagram, Snapchat world, uh, even Facebook. And, and so more of that type functionality. Yes. I, I, I thought you were asking like major functions, but okay. kind of the way people communicate today, uh, is changing. So for example, you know, right now, our community, most of the interaction happens through the web, an app, or mostly actually email, right? So you get an email, and that's got the messaging in it summarized for the day before, etc. And that's how people like to communicate in sort of this professional sense, right? Whereas in, in Instagram, you know, I see my daughter, for example, she's on that thing all day long, right? And things are flowing in all day long, and she cares. In the business world, you may not want to devote that much of your time to you know checking in on how the industry you represent works and so and so we do a little more you know summary type hey at the end of the day here's what happened but that said there's there's more and more call for not not so much the, the real time but but more of those sort of 
features that you'd see in a consumer product, like pictures, like audio, like right. texting and messaging and notifications. And so when we when we look at our roadmap for you know functions that are coming uh, in the next year or so, it really is I don't want to say following that, but you know taking taking advantage of the fact that some of these consumer products have you know taught the world how to use this and now that they're used to using it, they want to see it in, in more business applications. One thing that I hear sometimes when I'm out and about in the association nonprofit world is folks don't know, uh, association execs don't know where products are headed. And sometimes you just mentioned your roadmap, for example. Is that publicly yep. viewable somewhere? It is. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. So it's on our, our HUG site. So we have a, uh, our own community for our clients called the Higher, Higher Logic Users Group, HUG. So anyone who's a client can see it there. Prospects, we share it. You know, it's not it's not secret. Um, we don't. I don't know if we have it published on our www site, but like anyone who asks for it, we're happy to share that with them. And so it's a it's a rolling nine month roadmap. So we'll have some visionary stuff in not 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 document probably, but but published visionary stuff that might be further out than that. But the real roadmap is you know is fairly set nine months out, and so we just roll that forward every quarter. And how do you keep up with, uh, you just mentioned like texting and Instagram and Snapchat, and then there's TikTok now. And, you know, everyone's bombarded with all these apps and other things they can use to communicate with each other. And then, like you said, this has a special niche for all of us. You know, I'm I'm on Collaborate all day, every day, because that's my association community, right? That's where I communicate with my peers. So how do you keep up with, hey, look at this is coming out and this is how people are using it. Is it applicable to what our product does and our value proposition? Well, I mentioned my 16-year-old daughter. So, uh, <laughs> that's always an That's your R&D department? Yeah, she's, well, she's, she's <laughs> way ahead of the curve on uh, anything the business people of the world are going to be using, right? Uh, she's discarded, you know, an app before it becomes popular uh, with, with folks of our generation. So, uh, I'm mostly kidding. But yeah, no, it's a good point. It, you know, the value in our platform is the content, right? It's the content created by the members for one another and for the association created by the association for, for their membership. So the content is valuable. And to that end, you don't see, you know, like I, I, we don't chase uh, whiz bang stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to make sure you can get it. I want to make sure it, 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 that, you know, what you get is valuable. So like, for example, using AI to send you more things that are more tailored to your interests would be more important to me mm-hmm. than being able to send it to you through Instagram. Getting the right content to you in the right way is the most important. So chasing chasing those those kinds of functionalities like Snapchat's ethereal messages, like that doesn't make sense, right? Like you don't need it to be ethereal. You want it to be searchable because it's information for the industry. Um, so some things don't make sense, but then some things do. I mean, I think I like I like the way uh, the newer apps focus on on short videos and, and and pictures that things like a podcast like we're doing here probably does make a lot of sense to be shared in a community. And you could do that. Could we make it easier, though, maybe? Right. So that's the kind of things that we that we think about in terms of that particular question you're asking. Yeah, because it must be a balance between, you know, is this like I've never heard anyone call Snapchat ethereal before. Um, you know, yeah, <laughs> well, but it, it used to be. I don't, I don't even know if it still is. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Um, and, and it takes me back to you know computer science, Dungeons and Dragons days. There so, you go. Yeah. Right. I actually knew what you meant by that. So you know, it's, it's, everyone else can look it up. But as as far as it, the platform has its challenges like that, right? But you know, whether or not, like you said, the second part, which is you know, take TikTok, which it which is a lot of 
entertainment value right now. One of the groups in my class down at Georgetown on, on, on requirements and software development, one of the projects they did was taking TikTok and using it for, for micro learning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, that, that's the balance between, okay, taking a look at something like that in Snapchat and saying, okay, this is a lot of entertainment. And then translating that to, would it be valuable, like you said, deliver content in a way that's more valuable than just as text, for example? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, a very simple example is speech like we're doing now, maybe it's faster to consume than reading, right? Depends on your reading speed and so forth, but it's not as easily searched. I mean, you can obviously turn it into text and make that text searchable. You know, it depends on, 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 on sort of your purpose. If you're trying to build a library of information, is a whole bunch of videos better or not? Now, obviously YouTube would say yes, right? If you look, more people learn how to do, you know, whatever by watching a video on it than they do by reading about it. There's no question that makes sense. Having videos of, you know, sort of experts presenting on a subject, yes, that probably makes sense. Having a conversation uh, between an unknown number of people, and especially when it's uh, time displaced, it's harder to do, right? So uh, it really does depend on on the kind of content. If it's like a if it's like a broadcast, ask me anything kind of kind of communication, audio or video probably makes a lot of sense. But most in terms of quantity of the stuff that happens through our platform is what I would call time displaced, right? So you ask a question, at some point later, someone answers that question. Later could right, be right. minutes or hours, it could be a day or two, right? And then the conversation goes on over a period of typically days, and then you have a thread that shows you all you know, what happened. And when you're talking about you know, professionals who have a, have a real job, right? And they're, they're doing these things and they're not sitting on their phones like my daughter is uh, just, you know, typing away. It probably makes more sense, right? So it's, it's, it's to your point, it's that kind of balance. Right. Which is, which is probably harder than it looks. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Especially because everyone asks for those super cool features. But then when you start exploring, is there value? And, and by the way, ask, you know, showing them what you would do and asking them, is this what you're looking for? Like, ah, now that I see it, no. Right. So. Right. One of the things that we talk about a lot in in, in software development design is that, you know, the f- taking features out, right? How often does that happen in terms of you review what is being used? And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking out loud about taking stuff out that isn't getting used. Is that something yep. that you go through or? Yeah, there's a there's a thing in uh, software development, I'm sure you're familiar with, but uh, instrumentation, right? Mm-hmm. So you add to your product stuff to see what people are doing, right? Where they're clicking, what pages they're going to do, paths they're taking, et cetera. And and then in fact, features and functions that they're using. And then you take all that data and you examine it and say, you know what, you know, we built this feature. And this, by the way, is super common, way more common than people think. In fact, you know, I would say a decent percent of what we build for at the request of clients doesn't really then get used, right? They get, mm-hmm. it gets used by maybe by that client. And so you really have to test because you, otherwise you get a Frankenstein thing going on that, you know, there's all kinds of ways to do all kinds of things, but it's so complex that, you, you know, either the users can't use it or the administrators can't administer it or higher logic can't support it. Right. So there is always sort of a, a calling that goes on in features. So something we think is good, we get it out there. Hopefully before it's like really out there, out there, we, we would shut it down, but often, um, especially today where we've got, you know, features we developed 12 years ago, we want to say, okay, you know, there's new versions of this. We have five out of 3000 clients using the old, 
let's see if we can, you know, get them moved over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a constant. That's a constant. You know, one of the things we're talking to each other, we're, we're being responsible. We're talking to each other from, I think, probably your kitchen and my kitchen right? <laughs> yes. because of COVID-19. And so I was curious about that. Like, what, you know, how do you feel like the, the role of community platforms, higher logic platform, what role does it play in a situation like this where all of a sudden there's the work remotely communities? I don't know. I don't even know how to phrase the question, but what role do you think it plays in it in something like a pandemic? Yeah, I mean... It's funny when when we started, we we went work from home what two weeks ago, a little mm-hmm. more, two and a half weeks ago. And of course, you know, we're we're a semi virtual company anyway. About about a quarter maybe of our of our staff are remote, and we use the community to communicate internally. So we sort of thought, oh, you know what, this could be really good. What we saw actually, interestingly, in the month of March, which we're almost four weeks into now, all of our traffic across the board is up thirty percent. Meaning, you know, and we're we're talking about you know tens of millions. Or, or, or hundreds of millions of, of web page hits, for example, in a month, up 30%. And we think it's because people have more time, you know, so you get your commute time back. Um, yeah. You don't have meetings, you don't have like spring up meetings, things like that. I, I feel like people are maybe a little less distracted at work now that they're home. Although obviously that can go the other way with kids running around. But yeah, I, I, all I can tell you, and I can't tell you why, but I can tell you the traffic's up 30%. And, and that's a good thing. Um, we're seeing a lot more creating on the sites. We're seeing a lot more consuming on the sites. Um, and so we're just at the kind of the graph phase of that now. We, we, we saw a graph yesterday that, you know, showed February of 2020 versus February 2019. It was up maybe 5%. And then I saw March and it was up 30%. So clearly, you know, this has had, had a big effect. You know, the idea that you can communicate with your peers uh, electronically, maybe Maybe at work you wouldn't, uh, or you'd use email. But now that you're more remote, um, you would use a tool like this, where it's sort of a more permanent record of these things. And of course, it's across everybody in the world, right? It's not just folks at work. So, yeah, I don't know the exact answer yet. I can just tell you it's way up. Well, two two things come to mind. One is also in terms of traffic being up, but but in terms of users who don't normally use the platform, yep. are they using it more? And then two, on my community platform, I can see traffic has skyrocketed because of it's a time of crisis. So we all need to share resources. Yep. And yep. that's really yep. the role it's playing for me is, you know, the the new HR related rules that are coming out and um, financial resources and how turning, you know, meetings virtual and turning conferences virtual is all getting shared at a really fast rate because everyone needs it really quickly. Yep. And that's the role uh, exactly. I feel like it's playing, in in my in our community, in the association nonprofit community, largely. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting now that you brought that up. It'd be interesting for me to look and see if you know healthcare sector because we have, you know, we have like a hundred healthcare clients. If that one's higher than, I don't know, some other one, building or something like that. Although yeah. you know, it seems like every industry yeah. is affected by this. Not, I mean, every person obviously is, but industries like healthcare affected by being manic and things like uh, building probably the other way around, right? So there's still there's still a need to communicate and share. The other thing, and you reminded me of this, so we uh, just, you know, still on the, on the COVID-19 deal. So we, about two weeks ago, um, introduced this virtual community conference, virtual conference community concept, where we, we sent this out to all of our clients and prospects, basically all the associations, and said, you know, if you have a conference that you're going to have to cancel, because of you know this this crisis, we'll give you a free 
event community to, to run it in, right? So we've specifically designed a templated site that is really built for a conference and has, you know, sort of, you, you can embed Zoom in there, you can embed recordings, you can show a calendar. It's basically meant to be a place to have discussions, watch videos, watch live, etc. And we did that you know, to help these folks, we we won't, we obviously are very invested in in the association world. We want to make sure that the associations, you know, are able to do what they have, what they, what they do. And this is this is kind of our way of doing that. And, it, and it's been really successful. We we like I said, it's been about two weeks since we announced it, and we had 750 inquiries as of last Friday. So it's definitely a lot of interest, uh, existing clients and non-clients. So it's been it's been very cool. Um, and in that time, we've been just like getting it ready. And so it's going to launch next week and pretty excited about that. So just to to make sure I understand it, is it a a virtual event platform or is it something to augment a virtual event? Yeah, it's it's, so if you think of Zoom, right, as a way of communicating through video and audio, Mm -hmm. we're not trying to do anything like that. We would use a Zoom or whatever, you know, application you use for that. But this gives it structure in the form of of like an event website and all of the tracks and all of the, you know, timing, you know, for like, like you can download your calendar when it is, all of the streaming capabilities that our platform has, and then the discussions, right? So what, you know, half of what people go to events for at least is the networking. It, you know, there's the learning part during the day, there's networking in between and at night. And so that part is completely missed uh, in a regular virtual conference. So using the community tools then to discuss the, you know, the, the session or to have Q and A and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's sort of the, the thing. So it kind of glues it all together okay. into an event versus a, versus a one-off discussion. Okay. What's the most fun you have? I mean, what, what makes higher logic fun? I mean, I've been in Delcor 30 some odd years, right? You've been building companies for just as long. What's, what makes it fun for you? Well, I mean, it's the people, obviously. I mean, that's, you know, you, you, you get to know people, especially, you know, in, in the beginning of higher logic where it was a true startup. Um, you know, it's like the whole being in the trenches in a war thing. You, you really get to know the people you work with really well. Uh, as the company grows, it, it takes a different form, but it's still the same, right? It's mm-hmm. the people you work with makes it fun. And that's not just, that's not just, you know, teammates, but clients, partners like you guys, you know, just in general, I just love the little industry that we're in. And uh, just have a lot of fun with it, like, like you said, with with everybody. So that's that's really what keeps me going. Now, I also do like creating solutions that make a lot of sense and, and work for people, right? So, if you build a product that actually has a good outcome or, or or usability or whatever for the clients, then everybody's happy, and that makes it fun as well. Yeah, the adoption rate's big. Yeah, exactly. Adoption rate usage, both by our client and by their members or their customers or whatever. I love the feedback that comes in from that whole process. You know, if, you, if you're a guy that likes to build like I am, you can't get too much of that, uh, you know, sort of that feedback to, to make things better. Yeah, that's one of the things I was going to mention is it's, it's unusual that I think, I don't know, actually, I don't have data on this, but that you're an engineer. I mean, you're, you're, you're a yep. product developer. You develop code in the, in the day yep. and you still can and do. Oh, yeah, I did today. All right. I was, to be honest, I wasn't sure if that was even true. So I had a little pause yeah. there, but yeah. yeah. No, no, it's definitely true. Yeah. No, I, I was, I was doing it today. This is, we got a kind of an all hands on deck thing with this, uh, uh, getting, getting some of these solutions out for that, that product. So it's been fun. That's but cool. Yeah, sorry. I interrupted you. No, that's really cool. I know I can't develop code anymore. 
Yeah? No? No. A little, a little too far removed? Yeah, very far. You're an important businessman. Important, very. All right. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> and one more question. Are there resources that are available as it relates to, you know, the HireLogic platform that folks should know about that we can include in the show notes for, especially around this platform you just mentioned, the, the, the virtual event platform or other community COVID crisis related resources? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, well, so our website obviously has pretty much anything you would want, but I'll, I'll definitely share some, some links, especially related to the crisis. It's also interesting, and I can't share this, but we've seen a lot of discussion on this crisis, obviously, through our our clients' communities. Those are all typically private, but but it, it's what everyone's talking about, as you know. So um, really great information coming from some that I belong to as well. So uh, I'll share what I can, but yeah, definitely. Okay. What, do you know You know something we need to know? No, no, no. No, <laughs> no, no. no just like if an association is members only, I can't oh, yeah. point you to their content. No, yeah. yeah, definitely. Like you're just saying. No, nothing, nothing crazy. Okay. All right, cool. So that was fun. And I hope you got as much out of it as I did. Rob was kind enough to come on and he shared some great insights with us. One, the role that community platforms are playing in the association nonprofit community to really deliver on the value proposition of membership organizations. And also at a time of a crisis like the current pandemic, how community platforms allow members and communities to really share resources with each other and get answers to questions that they might not have the opportunity to find the answers to without the platform existing. I also took away from our conversation that it's not as easy as it looks. You have a community platform that, and this goes for any, really any platform that's out there, association management systems, community platforms, content management systems, and so on, that we as consumers, we as users have to think about uh, as our CRMs, et cetera, are all delivering value to us. And this is a classic, uh, you know, give and take in software and application development, which is you have a certain subset of the user population that needs a particular feature. If you, do, if you develop all of those features across all the different populations of users that are out there, the application can become bloated. How do you balance the need to develop features that aren't applicable for all of your audiences, all of your user classes, but do deliver a great amount of value to a small segment of the user class? That's really a tough rope to walk. So uh, whether we're talking about community platforms, AMSs, CMSs, CRMs, et cetera, that's something we have to take into account as executives, as, as users and consumers, when we're looking for those features. And I know that we've had those conversations with associations and nonprofits around, is it really that the software needs to develop that feature? Or is it something specific to your business rule or business process that can be changed in order to use features that are existing? None of us really want software that's bloated and has so many user features that we just don't use that it feels really hard to slog your way through the user interface. So it's a, it's a, it's a yin and a yang, right? It's a balance between us and the development teams to make sure that we're asking for features that deliver value to us. And it's not something that we can fix by changing part of our process or our business rules. And that's it for this episode of Reboot IT. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you're always welcome to subscribe and just put one of those five-star ratings in there for us. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on Reboot IT. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. Reach out to us via our website at delcor.com or on our social media channels. We'll see you next time.